we're back at it. Welcome to the Monday edition, a whole new week of the Y'all Show with John Rawl. Boy, we hope your weekend was exciting and you kept cool across the South as we had a uh, an exciting weekend, hopefully for you. And we are back headed with another exciting week of the Y'all Show here talking all things Southern with music, sports, politics, religion, culture, food. Am I leaving anything out? I'm sure I am, but regardless, glad you could join us. Our number, 803-816-1170. That is how you can touch base with us anytime, or you can follow us on Twitter, at Y'all Show. Would love to hear from y'all as we have this show up and going now, all about Dixie. On this week's show, we've got another chock-full event of shows, and it's going to be Country Music Day on Wednesday. Precious Harris will be stopping by to give us a report from Music Row. And we're also going to be talking all kinds of food on this week's show. We've got Matt Herman's coming on the Tuesday edition talking about barbecues and grilling. So you don't want to miss out on all the fun on the Tuesday edition. But today on the Y'all Show, in the next hour, we're going to welcome in Jerry Short and our latest installment of Short Stories. Now, Jerry is a fellow that is full of his own stories, and he's going to share a couple of different topics with us on today's Y'all Show, starting with the border. You know, the border with Mexico is in the news a lot right now with all the children being left alone away from their mother, it it seems. And Jerry's going to share his own experience of working on the U.S.-Mexico border for a while and a little dust-up he had on the U.S.-Canadian border with Border Patrol. So you'll be wanting to hear all about short stories with Jerry Short today. Plus, he was close friends with two SEC legends that both passed away, and both of these gentlemen were good friends of each other, Billy Brewer of Ole Miss and Billy Cannon of LSU. They both played against each other in the famous 1959 Halloween night game at Death Valley, and they remained friends throughout their whole lives, and they both passed away last month. And Jerry Short is going to give a tribute to both Billy Cannon and Billy Brewer next hour on the Y'all Show. So you'll want to make a an appointment reminder for that one. Now let's get to the news across the Southland. And did you see the story about Sarah Huckabee Sanders going to eat in Lexington, Virginia? I think it was Friday night. She, her husband, and... Several others went to the Red Hen Restaurant in the lovely village of Lexington, Virginia. Now, I've been to Lexington a few times, the home of Washington and Lee, the home of VMI, the home of not only Robert E. Lee's grave, but also the grave of Stonewall Jackson. And I shouldn't leave out General Lee's horse, Traveler, is buried there on the grounds of Washington and Lee. General Jackson's grave is a few miles away from downtown in a and another cemetery, but uh, a lovely place there in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders went out to eat at this redhead restaurant and was kicked out, which was pretty low down. I'm sorry. Now, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is in the news for going after this restaurant on her White House Twitter account, her official Twitter account, and she probably should not have done that, to be honest with you. She should have done it on her own personal account if she has such an account. I don't even know if she does or not. But President Trump today, Monday, gets into the uh, ruckus uh, with a tweet of his own saying in a tweet, 
that the Red Hidden Restaurant, quote, should focus more on cleaning its filthy canopies, doors, and windows, badly needs a paint job, rather than refusing to serve a fine person like Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the president, who's a germaphobe, actually, and extremely worried about germs, added, I always had a rule, if a restaurant is dirty on the outside, it is dirty on the inside. Uh, crazy, uh, crazy comments coming from President Trump, but hey, what do you expect? Uh, he's going to put his two cents uh, into whatever the topic might be. But yes, the Red Hen Restaurant in Lexington, Virginia, telling Sarah Huckabee Sanders and her party that they don't want him in there because of her connection to the president. And that just reminds me of my own episode of, of being essentially kicked out of a restaurant. They weren't attacking me, but they were attacking a guest of mine one time. And I, it's just low down. If you're going to have somebody come into your restaurant and sit down and you start serving them, that's the, that's the, the margin that's crossed there. The, the, if you don't want them in your restaurant, then don't seat them. Don't, don't even let them in, okay? I, I, I understand why restaurants have the right to refuse service. It's a free country. But it's tacky, and I think it's just wrong if they kick you out after you've already been seated, unless there's an overwhelming reason to do that, like you start causing problems while you're already uh, being served food and drinks and such. But in this case, it's a, it was a small restaurant, and it was just humiliating, I'm sure, for not only Sanders but the entire party to have to, to leave out on a Friday night where they had already planned to come here and already, I think, had been served some of the dishes and then asked to leave. It's just... It's just ridiculous. Now, the owner said that she did comp whatever food and drink they had, but it still comes as no comfort. I mean, it, it was a, an embarrassing episode for the Sanders party to have to leave this place, and, and that's what happened with me years ago. Actually, it was as a result of the first check that ever came in as, uh, as, a, as a publisher of Y'all Magazine, I had set a goal that we would go to the nicest restaurant in our hometown of Oxford, Mississippi, a place called City Grocery. And, and we didn't know what day the check would actually come in, but we got our first paying customer to send a check, and it came in on the morning of like a Friday morning or something like that. And I decided we would all go to lunch, and we would reward the staff for a job well done for y'all. And so we went to lunch, okay? Lunch, no matter where you are, is not quite as formal as going to a nice supper. So we went to this place for lunch. We sat down, and we had a meal. We ordered drinks. We were almost finished with our meal. And my partner with the magazine, Keith, wore a ball cap to this lunch because he didn't realize we were going to have to go to lunch that day because we didn't know that the check was coming in. And he had not showered. So when we said, we're going to go to this lunch, darn it, I had this goal. I had never even been to City Grocery. It it was the uh, kind of a goal that I'm not going to go there until I earn the right to go there. Well, the check came in. We went to City Grocery. Keith had on his y'all hat at the restaurant, and he looked rough, I'll, I'll admit. He looked rough, but that's why he put on his hat. Well, we're almost finished with the meal, and the uh, person at the restaurant comes over to our table and asks Keith to remove his hat. And he said, well, I really don't want to. I didn't take a shower. My hair is a mess. And they said, well, we have a policy. It's right there on the door. And it it was barely etched on the side of the door you had to really go out of your way to see it but they'd already been serving us okay and so the point was if you if you want us to take a hat off then tell us when we come in the door don't tell us when we're almost 
done. And they really embarrassed our whole party. In fact, the owner of the restaurant got called in to come tell my partner to take the hat off. And, and at the same time, Keith was buying a T-shirt from their bar upstairs. He was giving them extra money. They should have just kept their mouth quiet. And it was lunch, and it was not full. And they also had a policy you shouldn't be talking on a cell phone, and there was a couple next to us that were talking on their cell phone. They didn't say anything to them. And there's just a double standard. So my point is some of these restaurants that try to be all hoity-toity and fancy, they really like to discriminate at the same time as we saw here. They plainly discriminated on Sanders' party because of who she is and who she works for. And I thought that was ridiculous. So some news coming out of Virginia with Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the press secretary for President Trump. And then her dad weighs in also on it. And then he gets in trouble this weekend for sending a tweet out about Nancy Pelosi, Governor Mike Huckabee on Twitter with a tweet with a picture of what looks like several gang members all posing for a picture. And Huckabee's tweet said, Nancy Pelosi introduces her campaign committee for the take back of the House. Kind of strange coming from the former Arkansas governor and media personality, but he caught a lot of grief for that particular tweet and, uh, and, and had to deal with the backlash. Now, to Governor Huckabee's credit, did you see the interview he did on TBN with President Trump? A very good sit-down interview at the White House that Huckabee and Trump had, and maybe I'll be able to dig up some of the audio from that and play it for you because I haven't really seen it anywhere else it kind of just showed up in my youtube feed but governor huckabee with a, a good interview and they both looked very colorful and what i mean by that is it looked like someone had a lot of fun with the makeup for both trump and huckabee and trump had his hair slicked back slightly more uh like groomed than i normally see the trump than i normally see the president so check it out governor mike huckabee's interview with Donald Trump over the weekend. Now, some uh, some tough news coming from South Carolina, but we hope it ends up being a good thing. The lady we told you about on last week's Y'all Show, Katie Arrington, she ran for Congress in South Carolina for South Carolina House Representative number one. She defeated the sitting Congressman Mark Sanford, the former governor of South Carolina, in the Republican primary. Well, just a few days later, she was driving to Hilton Head to give a, a speech and receive an award on Saturday morning when her car was hit head-on on U.S. 17 south of Charleston. She had to go to the hospital with major injuries, and it looks like she's going to be okay, but there are very scary situation. The driver of the car that hit Arrington and her passenger, the driver of that car was killed in the accident. So we wish... Um, we wish uh, that Katie Arrington a speedy recovery. And her Twitter account, which has been taken over by, I guess, a staffer on her account, and she's not able to get up and tweet right now, still in the hospital, says that uh, they ask for continued prayers and the support for the family of Helen White, who I think was the person that was riding with Arrington in the car. Just a, a tough situation. I, I'll give credit to Mark Sanford for, for tweeting kind words about the recovery of Arrington. And also her Democratic challenger in the upcoming November election suspended his campaign. Uh, and and uh, that was a, a very Southern thing to do for Arrington's Democratic opponent in November. We wish Katie Arrington the best as she recovers from this awful accident down in South Carolina. 
Now, on the other congressional district race that we told you about that's going to be up for a challenge in Alabama, out of nowhere last week, Donald Trump endorsed Martha Roby. Now, she's the lady that criticized him prior to his presidential election in 2016. She faced a challenger in the Republican primary a few weeks back, and she's going to have a runoff uh, for the House seat that she currently sits in. And so Roby, in the July 17th Republican runoff against former Representative Bobby Bright for the Alabama 2nd Congressional District seat, she gets the support of President Trump. He wrote, Congresswoman Martha Roby of Alabama has been a consistent and reliable vote for our Make America Great Again agenda. She is in a Republican primary runoff against a recent Nancy Pelosi voting Democrat. I fully endorse Martha for Alabama 2nd Congressional District. So President Trump sending that out Friday of last week in support of Martha Roby. And again, that primary runoff coming up a few weeks down the road. Moving over to the state of Missouri, and this is a bizarre story. Laura Ingalls Wilder, the lady that wrote Little House on the Prairie and had the TV series that many of us watched back in the 70s and 80s, well, she grew up. Or she, did, she grew up in Wisconsin and, and other states, but she lived in the state of Missouri, down in southern Missouri along the Arkansas border for about 60 years of her life. So we'll claim her as a southerner. Her name is being removed from a major literary award due to concerns over Little House on the Prairie's stereotypical attitudes toward Miami, uh, toward minorities, rather. And this is a change because of the way she wrote about Indians and Blacks in the series, and I guess it may have even translated over to what uh, we saw on television. But yes, an award named for her being changed to, instead of the Laura Ingalls Wilder Award put out by the Association for Library Service to Children, they're renaming their award Children's Literature Legacy Award. And remember, she wrote back in the 30s and 40s when her books originally came out, and she wrote what was the standard for that era and and so she just she had her own style and that's how she wrote but even Laura Ingalls Wilder coming under a PC attack in today's world she died in 1957 at the age of 90 in Mansfield Missouri that's the town that she lived in when she moved to the show me state many years later Story from both Mississippi and Tennessee. A Columbus, Mississippi man has been arrested in Cookville, Tennessee, and he was taken in during a traffic stop Saturday after the Tennessee Highway Patrol pulled him over. He's accused of going to a restaurant in Columbus, Mississippi, Friday looking for his girlfriend who works at a Cracker Barrel, and he went in there and started shooting in Columbus in the Golden Triangle of Mississippi. He was wanted for aggravated assault, and they'd been searching for his blue 2001 Toyota, and they found him in Middle Tennessee. So that suspect under arrest in the state of Tennessee. Good news there after he went in a cracker barrel and caused the scene in Mississippi. Now to the state of, well, I'm not sure what state this is in, but it, uh, it's the state of all of us because it's about Elvis. Elvis's 1962 Lockheed Jetstar 1329 jet is up for auction, and it uh, is available for you if you want to make a purchase. It uh, is a private jet 
and it's got velvet seats. They may have lost some of their plush, but if you want to own Elvis's jet, his private jet, and this is not part of Graceland, this is uh, another entity has this in Roswell, New Mexico, it looks like. It's available for your purchase, so go for it, Elvis's private jet. Also coming from Tennessee, the Nashville mayor, this was a neat thing, his name is David Briley, and he had to take over after the predecessor had to step down because of a personal crisis that she had with her security guard earlier this year. So Briley is the new mayor of Nashville, comes from a family there in, in Middle Tennessee of uh, political figures in the city of Nashville. He welcomed in a World War II veteran to his office. Sidney Walton from Clarksville, Tennessee, stopped by Friday to meet with the mayor and it's part of a tour that Walton is going on right now. Mr. Walton is 99 years old and is out touring the country and and, and, and it was a good thing to see the mayor of Nashville taking time to meet with this World War II veteran. Hard to believe, but yes, most of our World War II vets have, have left us. Not many remain. If you know any World War II veteran, thank them and get their story. Many of them want to tell you about what they experienced in the 1940s, and they're heroes, as Tom Brokaw would say, the greatest generation. So thanks to the mayor of Nashville, Briley, Mayor Briley, for being a good Southerner and talking to this World War II vet from up in Clarksville, just north of Nashville. And to the country music side of things from Music City, Chris Stapleton is going to be in the mix in the 33rd annual Farm Aid concert. Now, this concert is taking place in September in, of all places, the very agricultural-friendly town of, and I say that in jest, Hartford, Connecticut. I don't know how in the world Farm Aid decides where to go, but that's where this year's event on September 22nd is going to take place at the Xfinity Theater in Hartford. Stapleton's amongst the country performers there that include Casey Musgraves, Willie Nelson, and they'll be joined by regulars John Mellencamp, Neil Young, and Dave Matthews. Farm Aid, 33, hard to believe it's been that long, going on September 22nd in Hartford, Connecticut. Farm Aid has raised more than $53 million for grants to aid family farmers and to lobby on their behalf. And it seems like yesteryear that uh, Willie Nelson got that thing going. I can't remember the first one. It was somewhere in the Midwest, but a big thing. And finally, a feel-good story also coming from country music. Craig Morgan was honored over the weekend by the United States Army. He spent 17 years as a forward observer in the Army and then got into country music. And this Kingston Springs, Tennessee native was honored in Washington, D.C. over the weekend. And we want to thank him and, and, and appreciate all the work that he's done. He's been going overseas a long time now that he's been out of uniform supporting the troops and has done a lot to help all of the service people, including the Special Operations Warrior Foundation that he's been very active in raising money for. Over the weekend, while in the nation's capital, Morgan went on the Fox & Friends morning show on Saturday where he did an interview with Fox & Friends' Pete Hegseth, and Hegseth himself as an Army veteran that's been in Afghanistan and Iraq too, I think, and they had a conversation. Let's play for that now for you here on the Y'all Show, this conversation between Army vets Craig Morgan, Craig Morgan, country music star, and Pete Hegseth. 
I bet you didn't think when you got out and became a civilian, you probably thought that's when you'd stop getting medals from the army. Uh, but what did it mean to be, <laughs> you know, I know you got a few in service. What did it mean to you to be on stage uh, receiving an award like that? Uh, it was, uh, I, as I stated last night, it was, it was unusual. Uh, like you said, I never thought that once I got out that that would be a part of, you know, my life anymore uh, as far as the award ceremonies and that kind of thing. Um, so it was it's a little awkward because, you know, once a soldier, always a soldier. I still mm-hmm. I still feel like I'm, I'm that guy most of the time. So it was a little unusual. But but I, as I again stated last night, I was I was honored and proud to accept that medal on behalf of all the people that work tirelessly and effortlessly for our men and women. Absolutely. I, look at those, looking at those images, Craig, you clearly still know how to stand at attention, though. So you haven't lost uh, your step <laughs> at all. Uh, what, what did you remind folks what you did in the army, if you would? I was a 13 Fox Ford Observer, uh, fire support guy. I was yep. the guy that was responsible for putting eyes on the battlefield and putting any bullet that came from somewhere other than a direct fire weapon system into the right place. So you might be the guy standing next to that squad leader or platoon leader or company commander who's out on the battlefield saying, hey, these are the targets downrange I need to hit. Absolutely. We were actually, uh, you know, in, in, in most of, of combat, the 13 Fox or the Ford Observer had the shortest life expectancy of any MOS in the military for a long time because uh, we were the guys in front of everyone because we had to be out there where we could see every aspect of the battlefield yeah. in order to put the bullets where they needed to be. No, you're right. You're the eyes uh, for the guys making those calls. Well, talk about these USO tours, though, that were part of the reason you got the award. What did it mean to you to go downrange with troops serving in combat? I'll be honest. Initially, it was very uh, selfish of me. I did it just so that I could maintain my relationship with those that were serving, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of which are, are, were friends. And uh, so, uh, but over the years doing that, it, it just—it's a very humbling feeling, uh, as you know. When you, when you were around those people that serve, uh, they have a special gene in them. This 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 sense of service. And it's, it's just such an honor to be around them and to share that and to feel that emotion and that yeah. energy and that love and passion for our country. And it's a sense of purpose that is uh, intoxicating in a certain sense to be around folks that you know are doing something so meaningful. How do you try to translate that into your, to your country music, into your songs? Uh, I don't know that I, I make a, a conscious effort of it. I do think there's a subconscious effort that takes place yeah. uh, just because of who I am and where I come from and what I do. Uh, it's a big part of my life, always has been, and it always will be. Uh, I love my, my country, my family, my God, and I try to uh, uh, emulate that uh, belief system in all that I do. And I think it, you know, again, subconsciously happens in my music. And that clip there from Fox & Friends Saturday morning, Pete Hegseth talking to country music star Craig Morgan as Morgan was honored by the U.S. Army this past weekend for his service to our country, both in uniform and really what he's done out of uniform with his volunteer efforts supporting the troops. Good job there. And as we head to break here on the Y'all Show, here's a little Craig Morgan music. That's what I like about Sundays. We'll be right back on the show, and we'll tell you about some of the Y'all business stuff going on across the country, including... It's that time of year. It's time for family reunions. And black family reunions are big business. We'll tell you about it coming up here on the Y'all Show. That's what I love about Sunday. I love my family, but last week, 
Mm, not so much. They blew through our shared data again. Then we switched to Boost and got unlimited gigs, plus 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line for the whole family. <laughs> for a great price. So now I love them all again. We just needed a switch. Switch to Boost and get three lines with unlimited gigs for just $100 a month and 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line. Plus get up to three free phones, all on a super reliable, super fast nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Offer ends 831.18. First line's $100 a month. Lines 2 and 3 are $0 a month. Requires one line to port in. Line includes unlimited talk, text, and data. Video streams optimized at up to 480p+. Music at up to 500 gigabits per second. Gaming at up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization during congestion. Free phones require port in and activation on plans $50 or higher. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Back with you on the Monday edition of the Y'all Program. John Rawl, thank you for tuning us in. And we've got Jerry Short coming up in hour two with his short stories, talking immigration, talking the U.S.-Mexico border, the U.S.-Canada border, and college football. All that with Jerry Short and short stories with Jerry Short in hour two. And we have a whole lineup of great stuff coming your way this week on the Y'all Program and we will be happy to deliver it to you right here on the program. We've got in the next segment, hang on for the Y'all Street Business Report. Where we'll tell you about Texas getting a, a nice achievement in the business side. And black family reunions. It's the time of year where many folks across the South who trace their lineage to the South who may not live here and may be black. Well, they come South and people in the South all get together and they have these big reunions and they're awesome, and we'll tell you about it, and we'll have some fun with it with a comedian who has his own take on black family reunions, and we'll play that for you in the next segment in our Y'all Street Business Report. But right now, it's time for Hashtag Hullabaloo, where we look at the social media accounts across the Southland and share some fun stuff that we find out there. So we'll go to at Ophelia D. Queen. And she writes, it is a fact Southern women wear too much blush, and we are proud of that. Okay, well, I'm not a Southern woman, and I don't wear blush regardless, so I'll take your word for it, Ophelia, but uh, I'm sure blush, it makes you beautiful, and that's why you wear it, but it probably is a competition out there amongst women, if I had to guess, about how much blush to put on. But I'm not blushing when I say it. If you want to wear it, you just wear it. Thank you for the feedback, Ophelia. Amanda Lee Glaze, Dr. Amanda L. Glaze. She's a professor at Georgia Southern University in Statesboro. She sent a tweet and photo out, and her tweet said, If anyone had any denial that I am totally Southern, and it was a picture of the swimming pool in her yard and also the sliding deal that kids use and they put water on. I forgot the term. But, uh, yeah, it's the time of year where those come out of the closet and, and kids can run and act crazy and hopefully not break any bones. But Dr. Glaze shared that. And then she also followed that up with another tweet. 
Ah, summer in the south, heat index of 107 with 100% humidity. Yay! If you need me, I will be the crazy old lady in the kiddie pool full of ice cubes out on the porch with a mimosa. Sounds very exciting, and I guess Dr. Glaze, like many professors, probably taking it easy this summer and not loading up with courses that she has to teach. So, yeah, enjoy your summertime in Statesboro as Georgia Southern, which has a great name, Georgia Southern. Not many schools in the South have Southern as part of their name, and GSU in Statesboro has that. At EVOPHD is Dr. Glaze's Twitter account. Give her a follow if you'd like to keep up with her Southernness here in the month of June and coming soon, July. Now, this is a business account that I noticed on Twitter that I wanted to talk to you briefly about and get some advice and you can reach out to us, 803-816-1170, or follow us on Twitter and tweet at us, at Y'all Show, hashtag Y'all Show, Y-A-L-L-S-H-O-W. But this is from Bisquick, the company that, I guess, makes biscuits and maybe some pancake mix and such. They have the Twitter account, at Bisquick, and that's B-I-S-Q-U-I-C-K underscore quick, at Bisquick underscore quick, Also, this lunch was banging like a biscuit, I won't lie. And it was fried chicken, and I think it maybe had some pancakes next to it, too. So fried chicken and pancakes, fried chicken and waffles, that's a a big thing now. But I guess I didn't know it. I haven't really tried my hand at cooking fried chicken often in my life. I love to eat it. I'll be honest with you, I love to eat it. But cooking, that's a whole other animal. And, it, and to do it the real way, where it goes in a skillet, now that, that takes some art. I've tried doing it the easy way with the shake and bake, and it's not really fried, I know that, but it, it's better than, I guess, grilled chicken. Bisquick, their Twitter account, has a photo of delicious fried chicken. And I guess the, they're insinuating that you can use their Bisquick for making fried chicken. And I, I guess I didn't know that. Yeah, it, it's good on a biscuit or for making biscuits. But Bisquick is a good recipe item for making fried chicken. So there you have it. Hopefully the sales of Bisquick will go through the roof now. And, and we can credit the Y'all Show for that. But it sure looks delicious. Thank you, Bisquick, for that reminder that we need some more fried chicken. At Redneck Nation, have to say, though, we get... S word done, and they didn't use the word S word. Have to say though, we get S word done, and it, it had a picture attached to at Redneck Nation's tweet here of a man driving a zero turn lawnmower with an elderly woman sitting on the front of the mower, giving her a ride. I assume, kind of redneck. I guess that's why it was on the the at Redneck nation twitter account but uh, a funny photo there that at redneck nation shared about getting things done the southern way and that will get it done i'll tell you though and i'm going to talk about it more as we roll through the summer zero turn mowers might be good for giving someone a ride even though you're not supposed to they're dangerous to drive they're dangerous to use i almost was killed last summer cutting grass with a zero turn mower cliffhanger i'll tell you about it as we roll on with this show down the road but i still have pains as a result of 
and I have emotional scar. It, it scared the living you-know-what out of me. They're not as safe as you might think. Zero turn mowers, and be careful, especially if you have any part of your property that has any kind of incline, that's where you get into trouble. And speaking of cutting grass, at T. Lee 33 writes, My disdain for cutting my grass has dwindled each time I've done it. I just got in from another session, and it was like slicing marshmallows with a hot knife. I don't feel, I feel your pain there, T. Lee 33. Cutting grass, always tough. Kind of fun, relaxing. It does take your mind off of some of life's stress. But in the summer, when it's 100 degrees, 105 and you're trying to get it done for one of those crazy thunderstorms rolls in. Yeah, the pressure is there, and, and it is like slicing marshmallows with a hot knife at times. So we feel your pain. But hopefully, T. Lee, you weren't on a zero turn because those can be scary. And I think most mowers out there now uh, available that are that are the riding-type mowers or zero-turn mowers, and I don't know if they do a good enough job telling you how dangerous those things can be just the slightest incline can get them off their rocker and i don't want any of you getting hurt in fact the town i lived in last summer in georgia where i almost died within a week of me dying or almost dying someone actually did die in that small town because of a zero turn mower so be careful maybe we'll have an expert come on and talk to us here before the summer gets away from us telling us about lawnmower safety Well, that's a look at our hashtag hullabaloo for today. And we encourage you again to go on Twitter or social media. At y'all show is our hashtag. And at y'all is another way you can reach out to us as well as hashtag southern. Hashtag hullabaloo where we take a look at the Twitter sphere for all things Dixie. We'll call time out when we come back on the on the program. The y'all street business report will be upon us. We'll tell you about some excitement going on in in uh, the world of television across the South and how that will impact you. Plus, black family reunions are in full swing now that it's summertime. We'll talk about the business aspect of that and the money that that brings into to places you might not expect. That's coming up next. Plus, we'll have some fun with the black family reunions too with a comedian's take on it. All that ahead on the Y'all Show. Hi, Tom Bodette. Ever notice how some places use fancy words just to make things more expensive? Like calling anything handmade craft or using aioli when they just mean mayonnaise. Well, at Motel 6, expensive words aren't really our thing. Our thing is clean, comfortable rooms at a great low price. So you can get a good night's sleep that leaves you feeling as fresh as that massage kale salad. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. Get ready, set, go. The Monday edition of the Y'all program rolls on. Thank you for tuning us in. John Raw with you here as we discuss the South, and we're going to focus on the Southern business side right now. 
in our Y'all Street Business Report. And we'll start out with a big move in regional television. Many of you may live in areas where Raycom has a television station in your market. Well, Great Television has just announced that they're going to buy Raycom for $3.6 billion. That's a lot of money. This deal was announced Monday by Raycom, and it's going to create, quote, the single largest owner of top-rated local television stations and digital assets in the country. And Great will acquire Raycom, and the value and all that's going to really help the stockholders of Raycom. Now, Raycom has its roots in the South, and in recent years, Raycom, I, I don't want to totally go out of limb and say this, uh, there's a connection to the Alabama Teachers Retirement Fund. I think they're the ones that technically own Raycom, and it's been a, a big moneymaker for the retirement fund for Alabama teachers for in the state of Alabama, and Raycom was owned by that group. That's why if you ever live in a market with Raycom, has a station you'll see ads all the time for the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail is constantly promoted on Raycom stations. Well, looks like Raycom's sold out to Gray, and there's a lot of aspects of the deal. This just got announced today, so we'll uh, keep our eye on this $3.6 billion acquisition of Raycom by Gray Television. And again, Raycom, a lot of television properties scattered across Dixie. In Texas, Texas has been ranked number one for the 14th straight year in the Chief Executive Magazine's annual CEO ranking of best and worst states for business. Other states in the South that are included in this, Texas is number one, followed by Florida. There's a tie between the two Carolinas. Hey, that's kind of neat. North and South Carolina tied at three. Indiana is number five. The five states that are the worst for business not one single one of these states is in Dixie. Number 50, California. Number 49, New York. Number 48, Illinois. Number 47, New Jersey. Number 46, Connecticut. So kudos to the South. We are business friendly down here. And uh, we're kicking butt and taking names. And congratulations to Texas for yet again having the number one ranking in this ranking by the magazine All About Business. Now, to something Kind of fun, kind of important to a lot of our Southerners. But if you're not black, you may not even know how big a deal this really is. But you probably know people that have made an effort to go to these things each and every year all over the region, really maybe even all over the country. Black family reunions are going on right now. Generally, they're held in the summertime. And sometimes these things attract up to 400 people to come to places that don't normally have 400 people come visit, like small towns in the South, places that are maybe a little bit off the beaten path. And the reason for that is they generally go back to where their roots are. And I think the movie Roots inspired a lot of the black family reunions. But according to Hilton's Embassy Suites Hotels, that this boom of, of people going to black family reunions, 90% of family members going to family reunions are black members going to black family reunions. And usually, like we said, up to 400 people attend these things, and, and sometimes it's uh, 100, 100 to 400 people go to black family reunions. And I know this past weekend I was driving in a very rural area, 
in the South, and I saw two of these reunions going on. How did I know it was what it was? Well, everybody had T-shirts on, for one, and they were all having a good time, and you could see a smoke going. They were barbecuing, and the this was like on a two-lane country road, and there was a field full of cars. So I, maybe it was something else, but I'm pretty sure it was a reunion. And then uh, 30 miles north of the town I was passing through, I saw another black family reunion going on. Kudos to you if you're uh, a participant in black family reunions. I think it's really great. And the reason, and we we invited someone from a, a blog to come on, sassyplum.com, to come on and help tell us about black family reunions. We weren't able to get them on today. Maybe we can get them arranged for another interview down the road. But these are important events for black families to partake. They come from all over the country. In fact, as I was driving Saturday and I saw these reunions, I, I was behind two cars that were, one was from Michigan, one was from Indiana. Both had handicap decals in their car, so you can assume they were older people driving these nice cars. And it's just my total guess, but they probably were down for the black family reunion. And they were here and they were spending money. And they were having a good time, and they were seeing their 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 cousins and maybe friends and all that too. So uh, a, a really neat part of the South, something more for black families and white families. I'm white, so I don't generally go to black family reunions. But I'll tell you what, white folks, if you're listening, we don't do this. Maybe we should. I, I think it's a, a good thing. You know, white people don't generally have massive family reunions. We have reunions from time to time. But uh, generally, we, we kind of keep closer together, and it's maybe just our first cousins. It's not our fourth cousins and fifth cousins all getting together. And black family reunions are a tradition in the South, and it's a really good thing. Part of the reason black family traditions, black families get together, according to the blog sassyplum.com, it helps with the painful family histories that blacks have gone through, coming through slavery and Jim Crow, and these family reunions are a big get-together and remembering the hard times. And as we said, these are often held not in big cities, not in typical tourist destinations. They're, they're held in small-town southern, southern towns, places like Cotton Plant, Arkansas, that saw a big family reunion back in 2006 for the Harston family. And, and so uh, talking to hotel owners, they, many of them, they get full this time of year, and there's no other reason for them to be full except for black family reunions. So big business uh, uh, and a big time. So if you're going to any of these reunions soon, drive safe. Have a great time. Tell us all about it. It looks like barbecues usually part of the fun at black family reunions. And speaking of fun and black family reunions, I found this clip on YouTube, and I, I just got to play it for you because it helps explain maybe to – those of us who aren't part of that culture and, and are envious, what, uh, what the fun of a, of a black family barbecue and black family reunions are all about. We're going to play this now for you. It's a fun thing to help tell you what it's all about. And this is from comedian Kev on stage. 10 tips to survive a black barbecue. What's up, y'all? Summertime is upon us and barbecue season is officially beginning. 
So here's 10 tips to help you survive a black barbecue. It's called a cookout, cuz. Barbecue, where we come from, blood. Gangsters, gangsters, cookout, barbecue, it's all the same. We all know. Number one, don't come at the time I tell you the barbecue starts. If I say come at two o'clock, show up around four, 5.30, seven. If you come at two, you must be wanting to help me clean up the house. If you come at two, I won't even have the barbecue coals ready yet. If you come at two, I'm at the store. Don't come at two o'clock. Don't come at the time I suggest. Dang. Number two, don't come without anything. Always ask if you need me to bring something, because I do. I don't have money to self-finance an entire barbecue. Y'all want ribs and chicken and steak? I need help. I am inviting you to help cover the cost. Help me, help me. I am not just inviting you because you are my friend. You are my friend, but barbecues are expensive. If you don't have anything, steal. I'm taking this. Go to Jack in the Box, get eight packets of ranch, bring something. And if you don't have anything to bring, say, man, I wish I would come in, but I, I ain't got enough money to bring enough. That allows me to say, it's cool, come on anyway. Just make sure you come late and eat last. Don't be coming and not bring nothing and then first person in line. You sit with the kids. Number three, don't be a vegan. Not today. This is not the time to argue. Hey, could you just clean off a place of the grill for my soy burger? I got it from Garden Farms. Get out. I don't mind you being a vegan. Vegetarian, raw vegan, whatever you want to be, just not today. Not today. You eat chips. Y'all eat chips? Can y'all eat chips? Eat chips and drink gluten-free water. Ain't nothing going on the grill that didn't have a family. Nothing. Number four, don't invite me to your cookout slash barbecue if you don't have a grill. If you got the little propane thing that can fit one burger or a George Foreman grill, you don't have cookout ready barbecue utensils. You gotta come to the house. Don't invite me over. And I know I've been broke right out of college and I just want a barbecue flavored thing. That's cool, but I can't invite people over. You can't cook ribs on a George Foreman grill. I've tried. Number five, don't try a new recipe. Now is not the time. Now is not the time. Well, I thought I might add some raisins and almonds into the potato salad. Do you wanna die? I will kill you over potato salad. The potato salad has to be tried and true, approved by generations of family before you can make it. And you wanna try a new potato salad recipe? This recipe goes back as far as our family crest. Potato salad does not have raisins and almonds in it. But I saw on Pinterest, you wanna die today? By the way, speaking of potato salad, if your auntie doesn't have a fat arm under here, I don't trust her potato salad or greens. I think this arm is where all the recipes are stored. And if it ain't jiggling, she ain't got it. The jiggling baby. Go ahead, baby. Number six, don't join the wobble if you can't wobble. Number seven, don't invite me to your house if your house is dirty. You got some nerve saying, could you take your, your shoes off? The carpet is black. My white socks are now black. No, I'm not taking my shoes off and disrespecting my socks. If your house is dirty, don't invite me. I'm coming through and all the doors are closed to all the bathrooms and all the rooms. Where are we supposed to go pee? Oh, just don't look in there. Oh, don't look in there. You closing all the doors. You shouldn't have had nobody over. Y'all just stay outside. It's hot. I'm not staying outside. Clean your house or don't invite me. Number eight, don't take three plates home. One plate max. One really big plate. Were you taking three? Well, Fred didn't eat and Mama Mabel. Mama Mabel should have came. Number nine, this is for the kids. If you're a kid, don't eat nothing but hamburgers and hot dogs. 
If I see a kid with one rib. One rib? One rib. I sure am hungry. You gotta be 16 and over to have a rib. If you ain't put in hamburgers and hot dogs, sit on the newspaper on the kitchen floor. And the final rule is also for kids. If we tell you to dance, dance. Cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it. You didn't bring nothing to the table but entertainment. Are you not entertained? If I wanna see you hit them folks, you better hit them folks or go to bed. Mommy, I don't wanna hit them. Hit them folks for Auntie Jean. She ain't never seen you do it. <laughs> That's the 10 rules to survive a black barbecue. It's called a cookout, cuz. Barbecue where we come from, blood or cookout. Funny man Kev on stage with his video, 10 tips to survive a black barbecue. And again, if you missed it, here they are from 1 to 10. Number one, don't come at invited time. Number two, don't come empty handed. Number three, don't be a vegan. Number four, don't invite me with a baby grill. Number five, don't try a new recipe at a black barbecue. Number six, don't join the wobble if you can't dance. Number seven, don't invite me to your dirty house. Number eight, don't take more than one plate. Number nine, kids eat kids' food. And number 10, kids must dance. Thank you, Kev on stage. And he referenced there toward the end. You might have heard a clip from Chris Rock, Chris Rock and Isaac Hayes in the 1988 movie, I'm Going to Get You Sucker. Funny stuff from Kev on stage. Well, that concludes hour one of today's Y'all Show. Hang on. We'll be right back. We'll get the barbecue grill going. And maybe Kev on stage can help us in hour two. We've got a look at sports review. College World Series finals gets going tonight. Arkansas is going to be playing in it. We'll tell you about the Hogs and a new coaching hire for Mississippi State today. Plus, an hour or two, Jerry Short and Short Stories with Jerry. That will be coming up here on the Y'all Show with John Rawl. It's hour two of the Y'all Show. John Rawl, glad to be in your captain's chair, bringing you a daily dose of Dixie banter. And we've got Jerry Short coming up in a few with his short stories. He's going to talk border. He's going to talk border patrol. And he's going to tell us about Billy and Billy. Billy Brewer, former Ole Miss head coach and a former player for Johnny Vaughn in the 1950s. And Coach Brewer and his longtime friend, Billy Cannon, who won the 1959 Heisman Trophy for LSU. Great friends that both passed away just a few weeks back within a week of each other. And Jerry Short knew both. And he's going to share memories of those great SEC legends later on this hour. Plus, he's going to talk about his wife. He's got a wife and uh, the headache involved with his wife, not because of her, but because of the fact that she is a native of the Philippines and dealing with immigration trying to make her legal it is a process and jerry short will be on to talk about that here in a few hang on for that right now on the y'all show if you want to reach out to us our number is 803-816-1170 803-816-1170 and the music you're hearing and have just heard from the university of arkansas the razorbacks kudos are going to be playing for the college 
Baseball National Championship. That gets underway tonight, and the Hogs have a chance to win the College World Series. Coach Van Horn's team has done a magnificent job in Omaha as they have not lost a single game in the CWS, and they advanced to face off against the Oregon State Beavers. The Beavers took care of Mississippi State this past weekend, and it was a tough break for the Bullies. They actually had uh, all they needed was one more win against Oregon State, and they couldn't get it, and they lost two games on Friday and Saturday to Oregon State, and as a result, their season, which was a Cinderella season, comes to an end and they go back to Starkville. We'll tell you about a coaching change down in Starkville or in Starkville in a second as Gary Henderson will not remain as the interim coach. But Arkansas and OSU, the Beavers from the Pac-12, facing off in, on ESPN tonight at 7 p.m. as first pitch. Tomorrow night at 7 p.m. is game two, and if a team wins both of those first two games, they'll be the national champ of college baseball. If not, there'll be a third game, and it will be Wednesday night also at 7 on ESPN as the Arkansas Razorbacks looking to capture the College World Series. And a good good thing for the SEC if that happens. That'll make it two in a row, I think. I know Florida won it last year. I can't remember who won it. I guess it was Coastal Carolina two years ago that won it. So, yeah, two years in a row if the SEC can pull it off with the Hogs in Omaha tonight, tomorrow, perhaps. Okay, baseball in Mississippi. Mississippi State, which lost to Oregon State in, with their chance to go play for the champ, championship. They hire Chris Lamonis, who was the head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers for the last few years. Lamonis, who played college baseball and played in the 1990 College World Series as a member of the Citadel Bulldogs. He comes to Starkville to take over the program that has been embattled until Gary Henderson took them to Omaha this year. But earlier in the season, MSU had their share of headache off the field. Lamonis comes in with his military background and a good resume in Bloomington with the Hoosiers. Lamonis was an understudy of Dan McDonald, who's the head coach of Louisville. He was at Louisville as an assistant under Dan McDonald. Both he and McDonald played at the Citadel. They're not only Citadel baseball teammates, but also Citadel classmates, class of 1992. And yours truly, John Rawls, Citadel class of 1993. So I knew both of those fellows not well because they were too busy playing baseball, but I remember them well in their playing days and what they did in 1990, taking the Citadel, the military college of South Carolina, all the way to the College World Series. They lost two games to LSU, but they did win one game in Omaha back in 1990. And Lamonis and Dan McDonald were big parts of that 1990 baseball team that was the only baseball team the Citadel was to ever represent a military school at the College World Series. And that's still the case. Army has not been to Omaha. Navy has not been. VMI has not been to the College World Series. But the Citadel Bulldogs, the fortress on the Ashley River in Charleston, South Carolina, thanks to Dan McDonald and also Chris Lamonis and, of course, the current Citadel head coach, Tony Skoll, those three were big parts of that 1990 baseball team. So Lamonis moves to Starkville where they've got a, a baseball stadium underway that's going to be incredible. Duty Noble Field, the renovation of that, and the fan support. Lamonis is going to be a good fit in the SEC. So congratulations to Chris Lamonis, the new head coach of Mississippi State. And finally, in baseball, Major League style this past weekend, 
A lot of Grand Slams going on. I don't know if any of you saw that, but Grand Slams are plenty. You saw the Atlanta Braves lose the series to Baltimore, which is rather embarrassing, but they still hold on, albeit slightly, in the NL East with their lead over the Phillies and the Nats. And you saw the Tampa Bay Rays get a sweep over New York. What a great job by Tampa Bay getting that sweep. But I've got to pick on your Rays. Golly, do you need a new stadium. I was watching some of the Sunday game against the Yanks, and a Yankee player had a chance to maybe win the game with a home run to left field. The ball was high. It hit a speaker in the roof, and it bounced off, and a Rays player caught it for an out. But how embarrassing is that, a ball hitting the roof in 2018? And I know they're looking for a new stadium in Tampa and St. Petersburg. And I don't know if it's going to happen. This team may end up having to move. I have a crazy I have a crazy dream that Tampa Bay may move to a place like, huh, maybe Atlanta. What if Atlanta had an American League team and a National League team, sort of like Los Angeles and New York and Chicago? You know, Atlanta today is as big as those cities were when they first got those teams. And – it would be neat to have an American League team, not just for Atlanta, but for the entire South. In fact, they could even call the team, like the instead of the, the D-Rays for Devil Rays, they could be the Dixie Rays, the D-Rays, and represent really the entire South. Put them in a corner of Atlanta that the, Ra- the Braves are no longer there, like Northeast Atlanta. Perhaps Charlotte, perhaps Nashville, but those teams are in, those cities are in talks about getting brand new expansion teams for Major League Baseball, but it doesn't matter. The, the Rays need a new home. Maybe they'll find it in, in Florida. But if not, hey, they should listen to my advice and move north and become the Dixie Rays. We'll take a time out on the program. When we come back, Jerry Short is going to join us with his short stories. And as always, it will be a ride down memory lane for some of you, and you'll learn stuff you never, never knew. They don't teach short stories in the history books. We'll be right back with the Y'all Show with John Rawl. Hang on. I love my family, but last week, mm, not so much. They blew through our shared data again. Then we switched to Boost and got unlimited gigs, plus 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line for the whole family (laughs) for a great price. So now I love them all again. We just needed a switch. Switch to Boost and get three lines with unlimited gigs for just $100 a month and 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line. Plus, get up to three free phones, all on a super reliable, super fast nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Offer ends 831 First line $100 a month. Lines 2 and 3 are $0 a month. Requires one line to port in. Line includes unlimited talk, text, and data. Video streams optimized at up to 480p+. Music at up to 500 gigabits per second. Gaming at up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization during congestion. Free phones require port in and activation on plans $50 or higher. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I feel like a whole new person. Disclaimer, you will not become a whole new person. This is impossible. You might be able to join a gym or diet program, buy a new wardrobe, get hair implants, but your DNA and physical form will remain the same. GEICO waives any and all liability if you attempt to become a new person, except a cyborg. If you choose to become a half-human, half-cybernetic organism with lasers for eyes, the GEICO legal team would be cool with that because, quote, laser eyes are pretty sweet. Pew, 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 end quote. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. 
As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than two cents per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 1919 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1919. And we are back on the Monday edition of the All Show. If you want to call us, you can do that any old time. The number is 803-816-1170. Our Twitter account is at Y'all Show. John Rawl bringing you a daily dose of Southern news information and opinion. And we also have some good stories coming your way on the Y'all program. And our best storyteller that we have is Jerry Short and our Short Stories segment. And we've got Jerry back with us now for another edition of Short Stories. Hello, Jerry. How you doing, sir? Oh, gosh, I'm doing pretty good. You've thrown a, thrown a hot topic at me. We'll see what we can do with it. Though. Yeah, well, that hot topic, if you don't know, is what's going on nationally in the news is the border with Mexico. And we're going to touch with you the topic of Mexico, the border there. I know what you've shared with me, that you actually have had a an encounter with the Canadian border that I'm going to ask you about. And then you're married to a, a beautiful southerner via the Philippines, and Bye-bye. you're trying to get her legally here full-time. And you are going to share with us some of the information. I don't think people have any clue of how difficult it really is to bring someone to this country legally and how expensive it is. So we'll talk about all that right now. And then in the next segment, Jerry, we're going to have you completely do a 180, and we're going to talk some sports with you because you had a connection to both former player and head coach at Ole Miss, Billy Brewer, and Billy Cannon of LSU fame. Both of those guys faced off each against each other in the 50s and were lifelong friends after that, and they both passed away within a week of each other. So we're going to talk to folks about Billy Brewer, Billy Cannon in the next segment. Right now, though, we're talking the Mexican border, and you actually worked down there for a while. Tell us what you were doing and what you all, what you saw down there on the Texas-Mexico border. Well, John, I was doing some security work down that way in uh, a, a town called Catula, uh, Texas, a population of about 3,500. And it had gotten so rough there about seven years ago, six or seven years ago, that uh, all the police department had uh, resigned, left their post, and went to work in the oil fields as they were starting to boom for the um, Eagle Pass shale. But um, uh, the county had to patrol the area, and then it made it a lot harder on the pipeline part that I had to patrol. And and watch over but uh i couldn't find a place to stay and you know it would get really hot by nine o'clock i know that i, I stayed down there about six seven months and at at ninth uh at, at august month it got uh below 100 one day it got to 99 I saw a bank clock it had 118 on it one day so they were co- still coming across the border then I was able to, uh, as I was riding around, and I would just sleep in my vehicle under Interstate 35 under a bridge, 
till the sun hit and it got so hot you couldn't stand it. But so uh, I found a I found a sign on a building in town. I called it. It was a lady in. Uh, she lived in another small town up that way, but she wouldn't rent me the place. And so I went through one of these drive-through beer barns, and the guy told me his brother, who had moved to LaGrange, Texas, which happens to be the home of the biggest little prostitution house in Texas, he, he had gotten away from there and was scared to stay at that house. It was kind of, they considered it kind of a haunted house. It was a Chavez ranch, and it had acreage it went with you, and it was on the Nueces River itself. So uh, they let me have it for $100 a week. And so I took the place because it's the only place I could had an air conditioner and could get in and stay a little bit cool during the day when I wasn't working. And scorpions were in the house, and, and nobody else would come down there. So I stayed there, and we had a coyote trail on the back of the acreage. You're talking about human coyotes, not the animal coyotes. I, uh, the coyote kind that bring the illegal immigrants for a pretty good fee uh, across the border. And so they came across the tip of this ranch. And the people uh, that owned the ranch were actually scared. He hated to rent me the place, but I begged him to. He, he, he was actually scared for me to stay down there because it was so bad. People don't realize that the American uh, Mexicans, they actually will not stay on their ranches. Webb County is the county below uh, the county that I was in at Catula, which is LaSalle. And they lived in Laredo and would come out on their farm in the daytime, but they wouldn't stay at night because I bought a about a 1968 Airstream that they had in a barn from them. But the lady was really, I mean, they were really good people, and she was scared for my well-being. She would tell me what to look for, what type tattoos would be on their neck or this and that. So, uh, and then the Border Patrol, they didn't patrol much. They That was when they first come out with that catch and release stuff, I think. And they would kind of just hang around a truck stop at the south end of town on 35. Well, there's nothing between Catula and Laredo, so they would just hang out over, and I'd talk to them some. And one guy gave me his number, and if I had any trouble to call him. Well, I did. I had some that busted through, and they were stealing stuff off of our equipment, and they were still water coolers, which was a good thing to steal. And one ran up in a, a beer joint in a little old place called Las Vegas, texas and that was all it had it was kind of like a meat locker in the back where they had like a bar i went in there and i got him and i brought him out and uh i told him it uh does it stand still right there while i call the border patrol border patrol guy told me to turn him loose that uh i had no business catching him but i i i walked on down to where he had stole some stuff off of some of our equipment and he had two other people waiting in the bush, and they took off running. And they were just all cut up from being in the mesquite and the bushes and the briars. And you don't have much vegetation down there. It was mostly kind of uh, yeah, just real dry, dry, dry ground with no uh, foliage, hardly any, and very little grass. But anyway, they just took off running. But if you would see a buzzard flying somewhere... 
uh, the buzzard wasn't flying because it was a dead cow or a dead horse. It would be a dead person. And uh, that, that's when the Border Patrol would they'd go out and spot the buzzards and they would check on it and they'd pick a dead person up. And uh, that's all you'd hear about it. It'd be the last thing you'd hear, the last thing you'd know. So as we went on, you know, through that kind of situation, and it just continually would get worse or stay the same, never got better. And, you know, I would ask them, you know, what are you going to do about it? And they'd say, well, our hands are tied. We really, we, we can't do anything. And they didn't. And, and it was, I went down on the back on the Nusus River that comes through uh, the ranch that I had leased. And when I went down there, I found a coyote trail. And, you know, you hear about these uh, where they do awful things to young women and their clothes and stuff were actually tied around. Female clothes were tied around on that tree. And, you know, I saw that. And so I know all that stuff is factual. Mm -hmm. So when, when you see it on, you don't see that on CNN. You don't see it on MSNBC. You know, you hear about it on Fox. And the Y'all Show. And the Y'all Show, thank you. <laughs> We're and, talking uh, with Jerry Short here on today's Y'all Show. Who Jerry has had experience working on the border with Texas, and that continues to be a hot topic with our immigrations and custom enforcement going on in Texas with the families trying to come up from Latin America into the United States. Jerry, you had an encounter with our Border Patrol, not in Mexico on the Mexican border, but on the Canadian border with your grandson. Tell us what in the world happened there. Well, it was about the same, I guess it was the same year or the next summer. And uh, we went up to Sandusky, Ohio, to Cedar Point Amusement Park, where they have all those uh, uh, roller coasters. I think they got 17 more than any place in the world. I had a good time. And I wanted to take him to Niagara Falls because Niagara Falls always has impressed me. As probably, you know, I'd put it way ahead of the Grand Canyon. And uh, so we went on over, we drove on over to Niagara Falls. And we did, the, you know, the boat ride and the, and the uh, Lady of the Mist and all that underneath with our little rain suits on. And we did everything you could do. And we come up and he wanted to go into Canada. And I said, uh, of course, the American side almost looks like a third world country, believe it or not. And. Over in Canada, they high rise, nice buildings, and everything's completely different there at the border across at the falls. But uh, when you cross the border there at the falls, beside the a customs department or the border patrol department, I think it was mostly customs agents in there at that time. We they've got like one of those turnstile gates. You just walk through it. There's nobody around there to check you. It's the side of the building. We walked out on the bridge. And they've got a marker that says Canadian border. And so we stood there and took a picture. He stood on the Canadian side and all that. We didn't go any further than that. We came back. And when we came back into the uh, headquarters, we came in the back and we came up to the front. And they started asking me questions. And they wanted to see all my credentials. And, you know, I even showed them my passport and driver's license and any credentials I might have had. Including a military you know, ID, as you were military a ID, retiree. US military ID, veteran. And then they had uh, uh, asked for my grandson's stuff, his passport. 
And I said, well, he's not but 10 years old, and he hadn't been out of the country, so we don't have a passport for him. And uh, they said, well, we're going to separate you. And they carried me and put me in a holding cell. But, I mean, I'm calling it a holding cell, but it was bars that I could – I was far enough back I couldn't hear what they were saying, but I could see them. And I was in a room that I was locked up in, and uh, they had a statue, uh, one of those aluminum Statue of Liberty is about six foot tall or so in there with me. And I could look and see them, and then they brought a lady to talk to my grandson. And she was a custom agent lady, and they brought her. And then my daughter and my uh, granddaughter were at Vicksburg for the Miss Mississippi pageant. My granddaughter was a uh, little princess for a old Miss Miss Old Miss, and uh, at the time, so they were down there. Well, they called, they called my daughter up, questioned my daughter, and then they come back in there and questioned me separately, and they questioned my grandson, and they just would continue to question us, and then they finally got us up together at the desk again, and they said we're going to let you go, and. Uh, get that boy some identification and i said well we didn't cross into canada and uh they said well you get him some identification where you can prove who he is and he's he's legally with you so i turned around after they said we could go and i let a little bit maybe a little bit too much out i said y'all need to be down on the border where i've been where there's real problems and uh Y'all have a nice day. <laughs> and so uh, we went out the door. and But I, I thought that was real tacky, the way they went about that. It was it was a lot of other ways they could have handled that without confining me to a, a room with bars and my grandson with me. And he's saying, granddaddy, granddaddy, granddaddy. Yeah. And, you know, um, don't separate us. You know? uh, a bad experience you had with the Immigration and Customs Enforcement on the U.S.-Canadian border, and here you are, obviously a U.S. legal resident and a military retiree, and they're giving you that kind of a hard time, just a, a bizarre scene, and that was several years ago. But I had yeah. uh, heard that story from you, and with all that's going on with our border now, I yeah. thought that that would make for a good short story, Jerry. We're going to call yeah, time man. out here on the show. When we come back, we're going to switch gears and talk about Jerry's relationship continues with immigration. But this time, it's more from a husband trying to make his wife a legal resident and all that that entails. Plus, we'll talk some football with Jerry. That's right ahead on the Y'all Show. Hi, Tom Bodette. Ever notice how some places use fancy words just to make things more expensive? Like calling anything handmade craft or using aioli when they just mean mayonnaise. Well, at Motel 6, expensive words aren't really our thing. Our thing is clean, comfortable rooms at a great low price. So you can get a good night's sleep that leaves you feeling as fresh as that massage kale salad. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. That is a pretty good breakfast. You're not even eating. Not ever. Why not? What's up? Kath and I knew that Jenny had been partying a bit. Found out she tried heroin. Most people don't know what to say about drugs. 
but we do. Visit us at drugfree.org. A message from the Partnership for Drug-Free Kids, where families find answers. As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than two cents per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit vistaprint.com and use promo code 1919 at checkout. That's vistaprint.com, promo code 1919. Y'all show rolls on with our final segment of this Monday edition. Glad that you have tuned us in. John Rawl now talking with Jerry Short in our short stories feature this week. And we've discussed the immigration issues a bit in the first segment. Well, Jerry has dove headfirst into the immigration brouhaha as a few years ago he went to the philippines and legally married at least according to uh i guess to god and the philippines i guess in this country too right jerry you you and sonia well, been married now what well, two, two years believe it or not yes it's been it'll be two years the 27th of uh of this month and uh, thank you for reminding me yes but, uh, she's in yellowstone today so i can dodge a bullet for with her sister for a little while but uh, now, I mean, you got to clear. You got to clear everything. Even in the Philippines, you have to clear it with the American embassies also. And you know, you, they want money. They want five hundred here and five hundred there. And they was having uh, all the American embassies were closed when we were over there. Going, when we were to be married, they were closed for Ramadan. And uh, we flew from, you know how many islands it is in the Philippines. I, I don't want to glance that over. Ramadan we, is, of course, a, a Muslim holiday, Muslim observance. Right. And right. the Philippines is not a Muslim country. So explain no, why the they American were. American embassy is closed. Right. Right. So why in the world would the American embassy be closed if the Philippines is a vast majority Christian, probably Roman Catholic country? It, well, it is. It's 90% Roman Catholic. And it. Uh, that's a question that I asked, and and it, it, it they would open in Cebu, which is another island, and uh, we was in Manila and couldn't get it done there. It was closed, and we'd fly to another place. Finally, we found out in Manila, I mean in Cebu, if we could fly to Cebu, they would be open during Ramadan on Fridays for two hours. So you get there and there's a pretty big waiting line, and but we did manage to squeeze in, and I had to pay them, which set our wedding date, you know, back almost. I my flight was almost due to come back to LAX about the same time. We got married and I left like two days. It took us that long to get, and I was there a month. It took us that long to get it all worked out. And look. She has 10 years of college. She's got a master's degree in mass communications. She had her own radio show. She worked for their government. She worked in Dubai. She flew back from Dubai to the Philippines. It's where we got, uh, where we were getting married with her friends and, and everyone is the reason we did it there. And as you said, illegal, you know, the, uh, 
main magistrate of the uh, Helu City performed the ceremony. And uh, she had never been married before, so it could have been performed in a Catholic uh, setting. However, uh, I had been married before. And but uh, it was just it's like they uh, to get her here. I had to fly back and you go through you don't go through just one agency. You go through uh, Homeland Security. You go through uh, Immigration Services. You go through uh, 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 the U.S. Uh, uh, it's something else you go through. It's I had to hire an attorney. Uh, to, well, actually, we had someone that was kin to her that lived in Alaska that we paid to do some of the work. And they want you to go ahead and hire an immigration attorney to handle all that. You have to submit tons and tons of paperwork i mean it is so much you got to go through the state department also that's what i was trying to think of but you also you submit tons and tons and it's every i's got to be dotted every t's got to be crossed or they'll send it back to you and they'll recharge you homeland security recharged me for uh one word that was out of place and they recharged me a pretty good I, I, I'm not going to quote how much because I forget exactly how much it was, but you can figure it. It would it would be a minimum of ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars is what they're going to charge a person with ten years of uh, of education, college, uh, to get into this country. That uh, it would be a more than uh, Huh. They're a little bit ahead of us as far as being a productive citizen, you know. And, so, and she's from the Philippines, which we've she had is fr- from the Philippines. friendly relations with. In fact, they were a territory of the United States for a long time. I know, I know. So, golly, if, if if you've had this much grief marrying someone from there and making them a legal resident, uh, good Lord. I, I, I feel the reason we have you bringing this information our way, Jerry, is just tell people how much of a headache it is to do it the right way and how much money it costs. I mean, when this is all said and done, and I, and I know you actually have to be a little careful in what you say here on today's Y'all Show. We're talking with, yeah. we're talking with yeah. Jerry Short because the process is still pending. She could be deported any time if, for whatever reason, they wanted to. But not just for you, but on average, it's going to cost roughly how much to make your wife a legal resident and, a, and maybe potentially a citizen? I heard a man the other day said he had spent fifty thousand. Fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, as one, you know, I, I, he had called in uh, the Hannity show, mm-hmm. and I heard him say that he had uh, he had spent fifty thousand dollars. However, you know, I what what they can get you in other ways. You have to submit three years of bank statements and three years of uh, IRS returns. And they go over those with a fine-tooth comb. Mm. If they find a $5,000 mistake, which they can find on anyone, they can blow that up with penalties and interest to 20000 And they really hit me hard. As, as a matter of fact, I told them just to go ahead and pull some from – they're pulling some from my military retirement now and my Social Security. And, you, oh, you also have to prove – 
that you make at least thirty-five thousand, uh, or you can't uh, sponsor someone to come here. And once they're here, the green card's good for two years, and then to start the process of uh, becoming a citizen, you have to send another substantial amount of money to the immigration services in New Hampshire, and they take that, and then you've got to send a lot more information. You've got to be together on your uh, tax return, like this last year's tax return. We had to file jointly and uh, and on your, uh, uh, say, if you had a house payment, uh, that would have to be, you'd have to include your spouse on that. If you had uh, um, your utility bills, you'd have to include her on all that. And you have to send that. You know, and I'm going to kind of leave it at that because yeah. uh, I don't, uh, I don't, you know, you never know who's listening and, and what you're thinking. Right. So. Well, also, I know that in the process of doing all this stuff, you've got to file it on the exact day that they tell you to get it stamped at the post office. It's it's a pain in the butt, and it costs a lot of money. It's almost like the government doesn't want you marrying people from other countries or bringing them here or whatever, but that's the way you're supposed to do it legally. I kind of feel – I understand why people want to sneak across the border and do it illegally. It's, it's a lot easier. <laughs> well – you know, there's different type visas. I understand maybe the spousal visa. That's what I had because we were married there, and that was her wish. And it, it becomes a little bit more complicated. Mm-hmm. Why I don't know. If you can get a work visa, that still takes you six months to a year to get. But uh, you know, the spousal visa it took us uh, about a year and a half to get her here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And like you were talking about time frame um, for this next one, they count 90 days back from the time she arrived and they want it postmarked and mailed 90 days to the immigration service. Uh, the stuff that uh, they want to review to make sure that they don't deport you. So. You know, I'm. I, I, let me leave it at that. Okay. Well, we're we're gonna uh, segue here with you, but it's uh, again the government is uh, very strict, and it's not a cheap process. So, Jerry, the government is not here to help you. Okay, but this is a process that takes a long time, takes a lot of money, takes a lot of coordination. But in the end, you'll do it because she's worth it. Absolutely, this one sure is, and, <laughs> and uh, it's it's not a grass hut uh, romance. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, you must have to really love your you 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 would have to love your spouse to go through all of what we just mentioned because it almost seems to, and this is me saying this, it almost seems like the government doesn't want these kind of relationships to happen because they make it so hard to actually come to fruition, but. Luckily, it's working out for you. Congratulations on your two-year anniversary coming up soon to Miss Sonia. Miss Sonia, uh, <clears throat> if you need help with suggestions for your anniversary, uh, the y'all show will be happy to help you. <laughs> okay, we'll take any. We'll take anything now. Just time. We're talking with Jerry Short here on the y'all show, and Jerry, you do have a history of being involved in college sports. And let me let me play something right now on the show that. 
may get you a little rattled, but I know you've never heard this before. It's so, going to be Don Polite's announcing for LSU. That could be. And his hometown is Napoleonville, Louisiana. All right. Well, here, here's <laughs> so, something, ahead. and we'll tell you what it is on the y'all show. Stands on his own 28. He gets a pass from center. He boots it and gets another nice kick away going way downfield. Billy Cannon watches it bounce. He takes it on his own 11. He comes back up field at the 15. Stumbles momentarily. He's at the 20. Running hard at the 25. Gets away from one man for three. From Halloween night, 1959, Billy Cannon taking a punt from Ole Miss and running it into the end zone for the LSU Bayou Bengals. And as a result of that play, he shot into national celebritydom and became the Heisman Trophy winner for 1959. Both Billy Cannon and Billy Brewer passed away back in May, and since we weren't on the air, at that time, we wanted to give both gentlemen their proper respects here on the Y'all Show as they had an influence at both of their respective SEC schools. Former Ole Miss player in that 59 game, Billy Brewer, who ended up becoming the head coach at Ole Miss in the 1980s and 90s. Since we weren't on the air when their passages happened, Jerry, I wanted you to come on today's Y'all Show and talk about your relationship with both of these guys and the impact of that 1959 game had on both LSU and Ole Miss. Oh, my gosh, John. You know, Ole Miss, uh, they've missed the boat a few times. And uh, Billy Cannon caused a Titanic that night. And it was, uh, I- I'll tell you, that we had a student train that left Ole Miss, that left Oxford or, uh, early that morning, going to Baton Rouge for the night game. And it stopped. I was living in Water Valley, and I just turned uh, 14. And they stopped and uh, asked, anybody want to get on and go to Baton Rouge? Well, I, I did. I got with the students. And I told a friend of mine that wouldn't, wouldn't get on. I said, tell my mother that I'm camping out tonight up the railroad track in the in the sandy gully that we always camp out in. So I went, and I told that to Billy once I got to talking to Billy a good bit. Which Billy? And Billy Billy Cannon. Okay. And Billy Cannon said, so you're going to tell me you're one of the million people that saw that run that was in that stadium that night? He said, I know there had to be a million people in the stadium that held 67,000. Because that's all that's all I hear. I was there. I saw it. I saw it. And I said, I saw it and you broke a little boy's heart. <laughs> and so we kinda we kinda jihawed from then on. I I'm pretty I'm I'll kinda go up to somebody and just start a conversation if I see them and and so we got where we talked and we talked about Billy a lot and he liked Billy a lot and I know the last time I was talking to Billy Cannon, I said something to him about, uh, I said, you're a Philadelphia guy, Philadelphia, Mississippi. You were born in Philadelphia. And he said, I wasn't born in Philadelphia. I was born out in the country in Lena in a house. And so so, uh, he said, my daddy moved there. 
and I always loved Ole Miss. And he said, uh, you know, I would have been Ole Miss if I would have lived here 100%. And so, you know, that kind of bonded us a little bit. But I would bring messages to Coach Brewer, who I got to know really well. I mean, Coach and Kay, I would go to their house all the time, and they would give me stuff. As, as, as they started taking our tradition away at Ole Miss in, in, uh, in the early 90s, Billy and Kay would, if they had something pertaining to the Confederacy or the South, they would tell me, Billy and I talked about it, and we want you to have that. Will you get that off of the mantle? And they would sign it, you know. And, and those are things that I wouldn't part with for anything. It'll be to Jerry from Billy and Kay, love. And Kay was a great woman. She she just uh, loved to smoke a little bit too much, I think. And 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 she we lost her, you know, about six years ago or something like that. And I went by I went by her house. I covered I covered uh, sports for a uh, 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 Grenada newspaper. So I could get credentials anywhere. So I, I think I saw about 300 Ole Miss football games from the press box or the sideline, that many basketball games and that many baseball games. But they took so many traditions away, I just kind of quit going. Yeah. And Billy knew that. And I told Billy, I just, without Colonel Rebel and without Dixie and without the things that we grew up with, they just didn't have anything to offer me anymore. That uh, I hadn't left them, they had left me. Yeah, well, they certainly had that in the 59 game. And as we uh, conclude this week's short stories with you, Jerry, just kind of sum up, if you will, how the giants of LSU and Ole Miss, Billy Cannon, Billy Brewer, what their impact's going to be going forward. Well, I mean, for us, for us older people, you know, we will. They will always be what they were then, and then they were bigger than life. Uh, you know, Billy Brewer. A lot of people don't know this. Kay herself told me Billy don't like to brag, but you know, Billy Cannon won the Heisman Trophy, and he won the Heisman Trophy that year with about 675 total yards rushing. So he won it on that. Uh, 89-yard punt return uh, against Ole Miss. However, when we played them, replayed them in the Sugar Bowl and beat them 21 to nothing, Coach Valda signed Billy to stay with uh, Billy Brewer with, with Billy, Billy, Billy Brewer King. to stay with Billy Cannon. These two Billies are throwing me a curve here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I know both of them, and I, I just refer to them both as Billy. You know, even Billy Cannon was my First wife, mother of my children, nephew's orthodontist. Uh, when he went to, when he had to leave and go to jail for counterfeiting, <laughs> and uh, but you know he come back and he was uh, they they accepted him back at LSU and I've got a picture of him and I took him at midfield with the five LSU uh, 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 I guess the first five to make the NCAA Hall of Fame, you know, it's Tommy Casanova and Y.A. Tittle and Billy Kennedy, Jerry Stovall, and, 
and that bunch, Warren Rabb maybe or someone like that. It was LSU players on the midfield, and I went out and took a picture of them. I've got lots of lots of lot of photographs, a lot of memories, a lot of games, and I've talked to Billy at uh, and I, in the press box. I asked Lionel Helms one time. I said, Lyman, I know we scored when Doug Elmore brought the ball back down the field, and we were at the one yard line. And he carried me to the spot where he was broadcasting from, and, the, and he said, no, we didn't look at this spot. Can you see the line? And I said, yeah. He said he didn't cross. So broke my heart again. <laughs> Billy Cannon, who was the first overall pick in the 1960 NFL draft, he actually chose not to go to the NFL and played for the startup Houston Oilers for many years. That's true. And then Billy Brewer went into coaching and was the head coach of Ole Miss from 1983 to 93. Before that, he was the head man at Louisiana Tech and southeastern Louisiana. We lost Billy Dog Brewer back on May 12th when he passed away in Memphis after a brief illness. And just a few days later, his longtime friend Billy Cannon passed away in St. Francisville at the age of 80 on May 20th. Billy Cannon, Billy Brewer, two Billy great. Billy Brewer, Billy Cannon. Boy, I tell you. They will always be remembered by the old timers. And I just, you know, I wish they would. In Louisiana, they still play that Billy Cannon run. Mm -hmm. When I said John Polite, you know, he says, Billy Cannon, great All-American. There he is. Look at him. He was taking oxygen on the side of the field. Really? <laughs> <laughs> After that run. And Billy, Billy will say, you know, I look over my shoulder, and that official's gaining on me. Yeah. yeah. By the way, Billy Brewer was not on the field during that punt return. He was on the sidelines. No, they had the third team, so to speak, on there. They had substituted so much that all the quarterbacks had played defense and offense, and Doug Elmore was a sophomore, and they brought him in. Hmm. And uh, he carried them all the way down the field. Vault was thought was bad about That's not Ole Miss legendary him. coach Johnny Vault you're talking about. Coach Johnny Vaught, right. He was he was bad about not showing his offense. He did the same thing up at Kentucky before the Alabama one-point loss. You know, we lost to Kentucky by one yeah. the week before that. And he, he had his offense, and and uh, he was kind of doing that. I I talked uh, to the LSU coach uh, that was down there one time. He was at Billy's house, and he said that Vaught did the right thing by punting on third down. A lot of people don't realize that was a third down punt. And Paul Dietzel told me that they had substitution rules then that if he punted on third down, he would keep a certain group on the field, and that's what Vault wanted. Mm -hmm. And LSU never crossed the Ole Miss 30, I don't think, the whole game except on that punt return. Amazing. One of the yeah. great games in college football, the 1959 Ole Miss-LSU game. Jerry, thank you so much. You're going to wrap up today's Y'all Show, so way to go. All right. Well, I'm glad to wrap it up, and uh, maybe Ole Miss will win the – no, I'm afraid they won't win the next one. <laughs> won't be a next one like that. No, it sure won't. <laughs> I just well, have to keep that in my dreams. Yep. We'll catch up with you next week, sir. Thank you, man. I'll have some for you. And we'll catch up with you tomorrow on the Y'all Show, everybody. We'll be talking some politics. We've got some primary runoffs going on in South Carolina. Also, we're going to talk to the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue on the Tuesday edition of the All Show. Matt Hermans is going to join us from Galveston, Texas. 
and chronicles some amazing eateries across the southeast that you'll want to check out as we not only get ready for our own grilling, but hey, 4th of July is coming up in just a few days. We need to have everything set, and Matt Hermans will get us ready. That's all on the Tuesday edition. Everybody have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to The Y'all Show with John Rawls.